On Nuketown Radioactive's 100th episode, I talk about Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, a shoot-and-loot video game based on Borderlands, go on a solitary, geeky retreat to work on RPG and podcast projects, and then contemplate the golden age of online role-playing games. Welcome to Newtown Radioactive. I'm your host, Ken Newquist, and and this is episode 100. It's amazing. It, it, it's a, astounding. It's uh, surprising. I, I can't believe I finally got to episode 100, especially after taking essentially a year off from the podcast, pod fading yet again. To give you a little bit of context, the first episode launched in March 14th, 2005. That was during the initial wave of podcasting back in my day. Uh, That was 18 years ago. Uh, Heck, when when I launched this podcast, I didn't even actually have two kids. Uh, Stargirl was two. Neutron Lad was still a year away. And uh, and wow, it was just a it was a different time. (laughs) Very different time. It is just it feels good to finally hit this milestone all these many years later. Will we get to 150? Will we get to 200? Time will tell. Uh, it might be another 18 years before we hit that particular milestone, but man, what a ride, what a ride. Now, you you can actually go back and listen to that very early episode. There's a link to it in the show notes. Some of the other episodes did not survive the ravages of time, um, but most of them are still there. So if you want to go back to the beginning and hear how the podcast started, you can do that. So I've got a new video game that I've been playing. It's called Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. It's a Dungeons & Dragons-inspired spinoff of the Borderlands franchise. It's got the same basic mechanics, guns, lots of guns, with uh, fantasy trappings. As one of the, the series' signature character characters, Tiny Tina runs you through her Bunkers and Badasses campaign. There are some new mechanics. We have spells instead of grenades. There's a variety of melee weapons. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff, actually, that I haven't even unlocked yet, like I just unlocked rings. Not quite sure what those do yet, except for maybe buff your characters. So we'll see. It's it's still early days for me, and I'm having fun just just playing with it. It has a bunch of fantasy-inspired classes, like the Spellshot, Spore Warden, which is like a ranger, a Stabomancer, which sounds fantastic, a Graveborn, which is a kind of necromancer. Uh, Definitely a lot of different options to try out. I'm doing the Spore Warden now on my PS4, uh, which I'll be playing upstairs in the game room, and I think I was going to do a Spellshot on the PS5, which is downstairs in, in our library. Uh, the great thing about this game is that you can play it online. Uh, it's cross-platform compatible, so on either my PlayStation 4 or the PlayStation 5, I'll be able to play with my Windows and Xbox colleagues, which is great because I would love to play more online video games. Back when the kids were little, heck, when this podcast started, I was part of uh, the Geezer Gamers community, and I played a lot online. Like I played a heck a lot of Halo 2, a lot of just like Xbox games. My friends in my gaming group were online. And it was just a weekly thing that we did. And it really it really fell out of favor or just like out of our habits because, well, you know, we went our different ways. People moved to different platforms. People didn't upgrade to new games. People got tired of playing games. People got new responsibilities. Like there are a gazillion different reasons why uh, kind of gaming fell by the wayside. But this feels like an opportunity to get back into it. I've got a number of friends who have this game. 
and the cross-platform opportunities uh, mean that we might actually even be able to get online, which would really be fantastic. One of the things that made episode 100 possible was that I went on a geeky retreat in January. So my daughter is currently in college. She goes to school up in Vermont. And so I dropped her off at college, helped her move to her new dorm room, and then came back home. And on my way back home, uh, this was over uh, the Martin Luther King long weekend, I decided to stop at my in-law's lake house, um, which is in the Poconos, and spent a couple of days by myself basically on a geeky retreat, a solitary geeky retreat, just myself, my dog Hank, and and just in one part chilling and, and watching some movies, playing some video games, what have you, but also actually getting some of the work done that, that I really want to do for myself that I just I haven't had the opportunity, that I really needed to be able to sit down and and just focus and be able to do what I wanted to do for a change. I had hoped to get some of that done over Christmas break, but very fa- various family obligations prevented that from happening. And that's not a problem. Like, you know, I love my family. I will always help my family as much as I need to, especially, you know, like my extended family and dealing with my parents and, and some of the challenges that they've had. And But, you know, it, it doesn't give you a lot of me time, right? So this was my opportunity to just take a couple days off and relax. And for me, part of relaxing is actually building stuff, doing stuff, doing fun stuff. So I recorded uh, three episodes of Nuketown Radioactive, maybe four. We'll see how much time I have left in this day. I worked on prepping my Cyberpunk Red campaign for the Lair of Secrets podcast. And this involved me sitting down and actually like finishing reading through the book, better understanding the game mechanics, coming up with my first uh, one-shot adventure, or uh, it's not even a one-shot, it's, it's like the establishing uh, adventure slash uh, mission for our edge runners and kind of bouncing some die, some dies, <laughs> bouncing some ideas off of my co-host David Moore and, and basically really just getting a feel for the mechanics of the game. So that was fun. I also started prepping for a new Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which is going to be uh, involving the Temple of Elemental Evil. Specifically, it's going to involve the story of what happens when the Temple of Elemental Evil, a classic Dungeons & Dragons adventure, rises, but the player characters were unable to defeat it. 20 years later, the Elemental Princes have ravaged the world, multiple apocalypses have happened, and uh, the the Dark One, Therizdin, is about to be released. And so I wanted to create this campaign with uh, very much inspired by the likes of the new Willow series, uh, Red Dawn, Independence Day, where basically you have heroes that are going to kick some ass and look good doing it and uh, be a little bit overpowered compared to your normal D&D characters and, and and really just encourage them to take lots of risks. So I'm playing around with mechanics and what have you. And so as part of the retreat, I kind of took a, a step back and thought about, okay, well, what do I want to do with this campaign? Who are going to be the big badge they're going to go up against originally? Uh, what are some of the the beats that I want to have in the first couple of adventures that we uh, that we roll out for the players? And I had some conversations online with uh, with my friends about it, and it was just a, a good time to kind of reflect and think about what happens next. Um, there's going to be an episode of uh, Lair of Secrets coming out in the not-too-distant future, which will talk about uh, the uh, Elemental Apocalypse game. And so I'll, uh, I'll include a link to that in the show notes once the, the show goes live. And I'm sure I'll talk about it more on Radioactive as I actually get into the meat of that particular campaign. 
Um, I also watched a bunch of movies. I, uh, I read a bunch of comic books and I stayed up as late as I wanted and slept in as, as long as I wanted. So I didn't go really crazy uh, per my previous uh, episode talking about being sleepless in Easton. I generally went to bed around midnight. I generally got up around eight o'clock because what I didn't want to do was get into the, the bad pattern of staying up until three or four in the morning then going to sleep until 11 o'clock and then just completely messing myself up once I got back to reality. So all in all, I think it was it was a good event. It was a good adventure. It was a good break. It was a great way to get some some stress relief by the third day. I wish I could have stayed for another, you know, like a full week, but I had obligations back home that I needed to get to. But by the third day, I was actually feeling pretty calm, pretty relaxed, which was really important after a very stressful and busy fall and early winter. So the, the COVID-19 pandemic was terrible. Uh, the impact of it on our world, our country, my community uh, was, was also terrible, hugely disruptive. Just, you know, you, you all know what it was like because we all lived through it, right? But there have been a few upsides, and one of them has been, at least for me, role-playing games. Uh, especially in the early days of the pandemic, less kid activities, because everything had been canceled and we were basically just, like, hunkering down in our house, meant that there was more time to game online. And that, in, in fact, meant that I was able to reconnect with some old friends and made some new ones. And we actually got to, to playing more games online. Um, now coming out of the pandemic, I've got a kid in college and um, some of my kid related obligations are actually winding down. As I mentioned in a recent podcast, I'm going to be stepping down as Scoutmaster real soon now. <laughs> and when I do that, that means that, uh, that I'm going to have maybe more time for RPGs. In fact, I think I'm playing more role playing games and more different kinds of role playing games than I have since... I don't know, like the late 90s, early aughts, right? Before kids or just at the, the dawn of kids, actually at the dawn of the Radioactive Podcast, as I was just talking about earlier. So during the pandemic and then uh, immediately after, uh, I got to play a bunch of different games. So some of the campaigns that we ran during the pandemic included Brendlewood Bay, which is uh, <laughs> a great little game in which you play murder mavens in, in, the, in the theme of uh, Murder, She Wrote, investigating murders in a small town. Um, that was... Interesting. It uses a rule set derived from Powered by the Apocalypse and uh, definitely very challenging from a role playing perspective. Uh, I got to play a fate game for the first time since, oh gosh, I guess Origins in like 2006 or something like that, uh, in which uh, David Moore and I um, over at Lair of Secrets ran uh, the Army Corps of Engineers Special Operations, which was all about uh, individuals who worked for the Army Corps of Engineers, which, if you didn't know, owns all kinds of, of uh, property in the United States as a result of needing to do various special projects, um, you know, building things and what have you. And, uh, and so we played investigators that, um, that were going out and investigating uh, cryptids around the country. So uh, we played, like for my own adventure, a creature called the Bat Squatch. Yes, it actually is a it is a real cryptid or like it is a cryptid that exists, which is uh, a Sasquatch crossed with a bat that haunts the area around Mount St. Helens. And I can include a link to that in the show notes because it was fascinating. But I actually got to play Fate and that was cool. I got to learn a new game system. I have to say Fate 
broke my brain a little bit while I was learning how to run it as a DM, but hell, that was the point of running the game in the first place. Uh, we also played Tales from the Loop. We did uh, one of the adventures from the hardcover book, which was cool. I don't think we got in uh, into as deeply into the Tales of the Loop mechanics of, you know, something weird happens, something regular happens, uh, going back and forth between the investigation into a mystery that's around your community, uh, a la Stranger Things, versus like getting together with your friends and playing Borderlands, uh, playing Borderlands, playing Dungeons and Dragons, or dealing with failing a class in high school or being bullied. Uh, we had a little bit of that, but we didn't get super deep into it. And I would, I would love to go back and do another game of Tales from the Loop that got into a little bit more of that because I think it's a very interesting pacing mechanic. Uh, we ran a six-episode Scum and Villainy campaign over at uh, Lair of Secrets. And actually, we, we recorded it and released it, which is a first for me. I'd never done that before. Uh, we played uh, GURPS Fast and Furious as one of my uh, two lunchtime games uh, played with uh, some of my coworkers and former coworkers. That started at the very beginning of the pandemic and just ended uh, a couple weeks ago. And we also had Chroniclers, which was a Dungeons and Dragons campaign set in the Forgotten Realms in which we ventured out onto the giant's plains of the Forgotten Realms in search of lost lore and ancient secrets and what have you. And that campaign just wrapped up as well. Uh, in terms of current campaigns, I'm in the process of winding down my Scales of Truth lunchtime game, which also began at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, and involves a kind of like science fantasy sort of adventure in which um, it was a mashup of like aspects of Gamma World uh, in terms of like the wackiness of the monsters, as well as just kind of like science fantasy type stuff like, you know, let's see, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of some of the things that I, I wrapped into it. But basically, I was pulling very heavily from uh, Numenera and the ciphers and cybertech and that kind of stuff. And there was an overarching storyline about strange technology that had either crashed to work to earth or emerged from various places. The, the players didn't quite learn what was happening there, but it was a, it was a cool, it was a cool adventure that a cool campaign that I enjoyed running over the last two years. And I'm currently working on its, uh, on its epilogue. And then um, we're also running a Star Wars Old Republic game, which is using a homegrown Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, Saga edition mashup, which has been fun. Uh, one of my friends has been basically writing the rule set, which he has had, a, a, I think he's had a blast doing it. And we've, you know, offered, you know, our constructive feedback as we go along. Um, and that's just been, it's always fun to play Star Wars. <laughs> it's always fun to play Star Wars. Um, we have some future campaigns that are coming up. As I alluded to earlier, I'm going to be playing Cyberpunk Red. Which is uh, which has been fun, you know. Cyberpunk is one of those games that came out in the late '80s, saw another release, I think, in the mid '90s, and somehow I never played it. Like when I was playing Cyberpunk, when I was in the Cyberpunk genre, when I was in college and just after, we were playing Shadowrun. That was, you know, the, the mashup of magic and tech was what I was really into at the time. And although I knew that the Cyberpunk RPG existed, I didn't actually go out and play it. Um, so. That's uh, it's been nice to come back to that game. They've streamlined it a lot. I've been playing the Cyberpunk 2077 game, which I had talked to about uh, previously, and it's it's cool to try out new game systems. I think that's one of been one of the most exciting parts of this time is that I've gotten to play so many different kinds of games. And that having been said, you know, I get to play some old ones too. As I mentioned, I have the Elemental Apocalypse game that I am currently putting together. And it's going to be fun. I think we're going to take some of the mechanics that uh, we've 
experienced or you know had in other games or at least that I've experienced and used from other games and and pull them in right so instead of having inspiration dice in Dungeons and Dragons or rather the inspiration die which is a single d20 that you can roll to uh, re-roll a, a specific attack or saving throw or something like that I'm replacing it with what I'm calling liberation dice, which are three dice that you can use to basically re-roll anything. There's no limitations. You can do double damage on attack, or you can use it to modify the pot, the pot, <laughs> the plot. So I want to be able to set up a situation, which is more like what we get in Savage Worlds, where, you know what, you're running across uh, the, the, the castle wall, and you're firing your hand crossbows over your shoulder at the elemental cultists who are chasing you, and you just, you just jump off that wall because damn it it looks cool to do it <laughs> and hey you know what yeah of course I've got that grappling hook you know I just I toss the grappling hook up over my shoulder and hook the wall and then swing down over the heads of the guards at the porticlus you know like that's the kind of adventure I want and that's the kind of uh, excitement that I'm hoping to be able to generate in that particular campaign um, we're also contemplating a, a new yet to be determined lunchtime game as the two previous campaigns wind down I'm not really sure what we're going to do yet. We've talked about playing a one-shot of Honey Heist, which is <laughs> in which you are bears who are attempting to steal honey. Uh, it, it's as goofy as you might expect. There's been some talk about some Dungeons & Dragons. We've talked about playing some cyberpunk. We've talked about playing a science fiction game like Traveler. I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to see where that one goes. There's, some, there's still some time. I have to write my epilogue and run that. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing what happens. It truly does feel like a golden age for RPGs. Like to be able to be playing all of these different kinds of games has been fantastic. There is, however, a downside. Well, a couple of downsides. One is that uh, you know, time zones can be hard. If you're trying to play with people on the West Coast, it means that you have to schedule things just right and it never quite works out for everybody. Um, it is yet another online meeting. And this this was the, probably the hardest part during the pandemic, because although it's an online meeting and although it has dice, like if you've already had, you know, seven or eight online meetings in a given day, uh, having the ninth or 10th can just feel like it's sucking your soul away. And here in the twilight time of the pandemic, another challenge for me personally is that it's effectively replaced real world gaming. Prior to the pandemic, my gaming group got together every other week on Sunday. We would play in the game room and you would talk and have a beer and like be goofy or what have you. And and that's all moved online, which it's it's been it's been fine. We can we're still goofy. I think there's less of the sort of conversational getting ready for the game sort of stuff, which, you know, allows us to be a little more focused. But I do miss getting together in the real world and playing real world games with the paper in your hands and being able to roll physical dice and and actually just seeing folks. So I haven't quite figured out how to to get beyond that. I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, reconnecting with some of my old friends and saying, hey, guys, you want to game in the real world again? Do you know anybody else who wants to game in the real world again? And figuring out a schedule that would work for us. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up with two games a week, one on a, one on a Friday night and maybe one on a Sunday night. Uh, the, the upside to that is I have folks that like moved considerable distances during the pandemic. I have one friend who's outside of Albany. I have another friend who's in Ecuador. Um, and I'm able to stay connected with those friends 
because of the online games, which is is truly fantastic and something that hasn't happened with other folks who've moved away, right? We have folks who moved to Alabama prior to the pandemic, well before the pandemic, and we don't have that same connection other than the occasional update on Facebook, right? So it's definitely a positive in terms of maintaining friendships, maintaining long-distance relationships in that way. But gosh darn it, guys, I miss rolling dice in the real world. So I'm curious to know how folks are doing in their own campaigns and their own gaming life. Is this a golden age for you or is this the apocalypse of gaming? <laughs> did, the, did the pandemic kill your campaign or did it transform it? You can uh, let me know by sending feedback to nuketown at gmail.com or you can stop by the website and post a comment on the blog. And finally, I am gearing up for Nuketown Radioactive 101. Yes, 101. Wow. How cool is that? Right now, I'm contemplating the main topic being uh, the sandwich generation, which are people like myself who find themselves with responsibilities both for children and for helping out their aging parents. I'll be talking about my own experiences as a member of the sandwich generation, some of the challenges that it raises, as well as some strategies for dealing with it. As always, we've got a couple of ways to get in touch with the show. You can email me at nuketown at gmail.com. You can follow the site on Twitter at twitter.com slash nuketownsf, well, as long as Twitter still continues to exist. You can jump on Facebook at facebook.com slash nuketownsf. And then finally, you can find me on Mastodon at the Dice Camp instance, which is dice.camp slash at Nuke Havoc. Uh, You don't have to remember all that, though, because the links will be in the show notes.